I Don't Know What the Fuck I'm Doing podcast. We are your hosts, Anastasia. And David. If this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where we humorously normalize uncertainty. We encourage and support entrepreneurs who are determined to crush it anyway. New episodes are released every Tuesday and Thursday. We cover three areas of topics in the podcast, including business, health, and relationships. We also interview guests with successful business owners who tell their what the fuck stories and share some resources to help you keep doing something. So let's all explore how no one really knows what the fuck they're doing. Thanks so much for being on our podcast. My pleasure. Excited to have you here. Yeah, we're going to dive into who you are, Spartan Media, and all of the tips that everyone's craving about when it comes to being seen and being discovered through Google. (laughs) Sounds great. So let's start with a little bit of story. Um, So how did you go from being in the military and then becoming a marketing expert? That seems like a big jump. Uh, You know, it is. Uh, So I served in the Marine Corps. I was in the infantry. So not not really any kind of logical transition there. Um, But at the time, I was planning on starting a business in a totally unrelated industry. It was going to be in the manufacturing space. And that gave me a really good opportunity to learn why everybody says not to do business with family. So that didn't go well. Uh, Everything really went off kind of like a a complete dumpster fire. And then from there, um, I got out, got my my first job. Uh, I actually went and went back to my original town that I grew up in, went back there, moved in and started applying for jobs. So... Uh, one of the first places I found, they're like, look, we're not hiring, but if you want to come down and, and drop off a resume, drop off some, maybe some samples of your work, uh, we're happy to take a look at it. Now, the stuff that I had, like none of it was actual commercial work. It wasn't anything I had ever done for a client. It was just some stuff that I had done to teach myself how to do design. Like I, I was always an artistic kid. I drew a lot, um, but I had no real experience in the marketing industry in any way. So I was just doing stuff in Photoshop to teach myself how to do this. And I went down there, showed them some of the work I had done, and they ended up, despite claiming not to have any available positions, they went ahead and hired me on the spot. Um, that went pretty poorly, actually. Oh, um, no. It, it really did. It was, <laughs> it was a case where Spring Hills, kind of a small little town in Florida, um, this was a case of a person who finally found someone who could do everything within the business. Um, you know, and everything that I couldn't do, I figured out how to do pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The problem was she fired, uh, it was five people and had me doing the job of five people. So that in and of itself was a big enough mess. But, on but she, own. she paid you five times as much, right? <laughs> That's how I was that works, being paid, <laughs> I think it was five seventy-five an hour. And oh, man. I was incorrectly being paid as a contractor, independent contractor, not an actual employee. So I was still oh, responsible man. for my tax. It was a mess from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it, it gave me a chance to get my feet on some solid ground after I got out, um, got in, uh, built up some skills. Um, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was when customers would start coming in and when she would want to work with them and they would tell her, well, no, we'll just work with Jeremy. I I know you're the owner, but 
he's the one we've been working with. He knows what we need. Da, 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 da. Um, we kind of had a real ugly blowout and we ended up just both saying, well, Hey, maybe this isn't a good fit and parted ways right, right there on the spot. I was going to say, so they, they were getting jealous that you were getting all the clients or working mm -hmm. with them. Is very that much what, so. It was like an ego trip, right? Yeah, very much. Yeah. Complete yeah. ego trip, which, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it's at the end of the day, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter much one way or the other. So from there, I ended up looking around, I went home and this was long enough ago that we had the classified ads. Don't know if they still exist, if anyone still reads classified ads, but that's where you used to find your, your job listings, right? So you'd open up the paper and every day they'd have the job listings in there. And I found this job that looked interesting. I had no idea what it was. It was, you've probably seen these job ads that doesn't really tell you exactly what it is, but it makes a lot of really interesting promises. Um, so I was like, well, let's give this a run. Went down there, turned out it was actually sales for a software company. I later found out the, the company was owned by the Church of Scientology. So it was a really interesting experience. They were, they had this process for sales so buttoned up that like, let's say you're talking to somebody and you're going through this conversation and based on what you said, I could pick up the other end of that phone and almost verbatim say the same words that were going to come out of their mouth next. Like they had the process so refined. It was so, it was really impressive. It was scary how smart they were. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fascinating. It was actually as, as toxic of a work environment as it was in many ways, it was actually one of my favorite jobs. Um, this was back during the dot-com bubble. So there was a lot of emphasis on tech. Um, now, you know, for the most part, we're all kind of ingrained in, in this world, right? We've all got internet. We're all using our phones. We've all got all these devices. We're, you know, most of us have a website. Even if we don't have a business, we probably have a personal brand website. None of that stuff was common back then. Um, so I got to be at the very forefront of technology and I got to learn a lot about business, a lot about sales, uh, meet a lot of really cool people. And from there, I eventually decided that this wasn't a good fit for me and ended up finding this job that it was, a, it was an agency and they were looking for somebody with several years of experience, also a degree in the field. Now, I had neither of those. I had worked maybe a few months at a little hole in the wall printing place doing some graphic design there and then went on to do sales. So I had no agency experience. I had no degree. Um, in fact, I actually left high school before I graduated to go into the Marine Corps. So I had—I didn't even have a, a diploma. So now here I am. I've got this thing that looks like a perfect job. And I'm like, well, eh, I don't know if I'm going to do this. You know, they're, they're looking for X number of years experience. They're looking for a degree. Um, it just doesn't seem worth it. So uh, this girl that I was seeing at the time, she she was like, well, look, it's just what's the worst that can happen? You go down there, you apply, they say no, you're not in any different position than you are now. So it's like, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. Can go I ahead. emphasize that really quick? Because Absolutely. just with the theme of our podcast, that's such a common thing I see over and over where we have these stories of, well, I don't have the diploma, I don't have the degree, I don't have the experience, but it's something yes. that I want. But so many people just don't do it. They don't go for it and they don't even try. Absolutely. And the reality is like, I could say that it was because they wanted this degree or because they wanted this experience, but in reality, that's all bullshit. 
when we make a decision like that, that's a fear-based decision. And we're just not willing to admit to ourselves that we're afraid of something. So, you know, in hindsight, I can look back and say that if you asked me what a, whatever it was, 15, 20 something years ago, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I think, you know, in hindsight, that's certainly what it was. Um, and we all go through that to some degree. We have to get to a point where we can recognize that, realize that we're giving ourselves a bullshit story and step around it. And you did have some support. So she, the, you said the girl you were dating? Yeah. Uh -huh. She said, go, go try it. Just try it anyway. So that's, yeah. That's helpful. Absolutely. So uh, I picked up the phone. I called. And the guy who answered the phone was the owner of the agency. He's like, look, we've been interviewing for about two weeks. Uh, we've pretty much got it narrowed down to two people. Uh, both of them have several years of experience at agency level uh, jobs. And one has a bachelor's and one has a master's degree, an uh, MFA. And I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> so I went ahead and went down there anyway. And same deal, you know, uh, again, the experience I had at that point was just some things I had done for a small print shop. So I walked in there with pretty much just stuff I had done on my own just to continue teaching myself. And as we're having these conversations, he's like, well, why did you do this this way? And why is this composed here? And I, like, I, explain this concept to me. And as I'm explaining things to him, he had this completely puzzled look on his face. And I guess he could tell that I kind of picked up on that. And he's like, do you, do you know why I'm asking you the questions that I'm asking you? And I was like, well, like to see if I know what I'm doing. He's like, no, I already know that you know what you're doing based on this. But I'm asking you the questions to understand if you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Because the answers that you've been giving me so far are what I would expect out of somebody with a master's in fine arts degree. And like you, you're all self-taught with that. And that makes that even more impressive. And he's like, so what I'm going to do is go ahead and offer you the job right now. And I was there for several years from that point. That was one of my, one of my favorite jobs. It was, the guy was just a wealth of knowledge. He had been in the advertising industry for over 40 years. And he was just kind of coming back down to Spring Hill to wind out the last few years before retirement. And, you know, just, I learned so much from the guy. He was just, he was a brilliant person, just the kind of person that wanted to mentor people. And it was just, one of the most powerful experiences in my career. Um, so that's that was the outcome of what I thought was going to go nowhere. So I thought it was really cool how you went from the Marine Corps to a job where you literally had to do just about everything and then moving into a job where you had to figure out everything. <laughs> and so there's this common theme that I like what's happening here is that you are a person that is willing to figure it out and do it anyway. And what I like about that, and it's shown in the interview you had with the your mentor really, is you get a lot of people who graduate with a degree and it's not to say that's a problem or it's bad to have a degree at all, but what, some, what it can be is become a handicap. And yeah. you don't have the skills to learn how to figure it out because the answers have been kind of given to you. And so I, I kind of love that story. And I feel like we're going to have that theme throughout this conversation today, especially moving into your Spartan Media company. So tell us a little bit about you, Spartan Media, what you guys do and why it's so important that you're doing what you're doing. So we've had kind of a, I guess we'll call it a little bit of a pivot. I, and I'm so sick of that word, as I think most of us are in 2020. But, um, you know, so we've always been a full service agency. 
But something I've realized in the last year or so is an indirect benefit to what we've been doing. So here, let me let me do this through a story. So there was a client we had that at one point, both me and a good friend of mine in a separate company, we both were vendors for this particular client. And that client had some serious challenges, some serious, um, they made some big mistakes, ended up having a, a nightmare of a business situation. They had a bunch of franchisees that were walking away from the organization. They were facing a class action lawsuit. They had all kinds of reputation management issues online. And basically their whole world was falling apart. Um, right before that happened, my friend had sold off his company and came and worked for this client, just took a job in house. Then all of this chaos happened. And, you know, he's basically sitting here thinking, wow, did I, did I really make the right choice here? Uh, basically everything's falling apart. What ended up happening was the founder stepped down because it had become such a toxic environment and all of the franchisees hated him. So he had to get out of the picture and put somebody else in charge in order for them to ever have a chance of trying to regain traction and, and have a, a solid working relationship with any of their franchisees. So he did that. My friend stepped up, took over as the CEO. And over time, as a result of the marketing that we were doing, he went from basically being nobody in that industry. No one had ever heard of him. He had no experience, no authority. Um, you know, basically he was just a brand new guy as far as everyone was concerned. Um, as a result of what we were doing through all the marketing efforts, you know, we're, we're getting articles for him placed in various publications. We're getting him featured in the media, on the news, um, getting him all kinds of exposure and, and positioning him as the expert. Over time, what happened was he became one of the leaders in that industry. Um, so much so that last year, uh, he and I were actually in DC together. He's up there lobbying Congress on behalf of his industry. So what we've started doing lately is basically taking that and turning it around. So now we're, we're kind of offering that authority building as a service because that's a huge differentiator for people. You know, you come into a thing and you could talk about all the features and benefits. That's like 1990s style selling. It doesn't really work anymore, but you come in and you're an authority. Somebody goes and Googles your name and you know, you're in Forbes and you're an entrepreneur and you're on the news and you're all over the place. What you say carries a lot more weight. You're able to command higher prices. You're able to be the person that people want to reach out and have on the podcast or have come out and speak on the news or come and speak at their events. So that's something we've been focusing on a lot because a little bit of backstory here, the process that we use for that is what I used when I had, so I had a health crisis, Anastasia, I know you and I have talked a lot about this over the last few years, but uh, I had a health crisis that almost killed me a few years ago. And for the first two years of that, I was pretty much bedridden. I was either laying on the couch or lying in the bed literally praying to die. And uh, so that completely decimated my finances, completely decimated uh, my business. I went down to pretty much zero. Um, everything was just upside down. I was racking up debt because I was just trying to stay alive. And um, eventually, once I got back at it, while I'm still going through this health stuff, I figured that I'm not going to be able to do this on my own the way that I had before, right? I've always been able to kind of outwork everybody. I've always been able to hustle and, and you know, grind and do all the things that I needed to do to outwork everyone and crush it and get to the top. Problem was 
I was still in massive pain. I was still tired. I was still completely beat. And I just didn't have the energy to do the stuff that I had previously done. So I had to find a different approach. So what I did was I started tapping into my network. I started leveraging my relationships and started being uh, quickly elevated myself because I had a period of two years where basically nothing happened. So now there's no case studies. There's no portfolio. There's nothing that I can refer to as, Hey, here's what we've done. I'm completely starting over. Nobody's heard of me at this point. Yeah. And in Um, marketing, it's important to have that, you know, recent relevance and case studies for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I did was I worked my way up very quickly and developed a process to where I could become an authority in my industry. Um, And as a result of that, you know, I was featured in numerous publications initially just in the SEO industry. And then that worked its way into, you know, tier one pubs like Forbes and Entrepreneur and and things like that. Um, And then started speaking at events, uh, being featured on the news and just kind of continued that. And, you know, that's the same process that we're using now for this authority building. Obviously, there's been some improvements and some refining along the way, but that's where that whole thing came from. It was something that was born out of necessity. I used it when I had to rebuild from less than zero. And that's where we are today. So another theme in there that I want to point out again is that even though there's all these obstacles and hurdles coming, whether it's, you know, an over demanding boss or a really interesting job market to a health crisis is that everything, as Murray Forleo says, everything is figure outable and you are definitely showing that as a theme throughout everything. And that's so great because our podcast is all about saying, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, <laughs> and so I'm sure there were moments through this whole journey where you're going like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what's going on. Am I doing the right thing? So like, tell us a little bit about what was kind of that repeating energy or that thought that you had that did keep you going, that helped you just keep plugging along, even though this may not be the right track for you. All right. So this is probably going to get a little interesting. Um, There's parts of this story that I've only shared with a few people. I don't know if I've even told you about this yet, but uh, so a lot of this comes down to mindset. Um, We're all going to have ups and downs in life. There's, there's a great book that this comes into play later in my story, but there's a great book that I picked up recently. And you and I talked about this several times. guy by the name of David Goggins, absolute beast. Um, This is a book that I listen to regularly. I do the audio version of his book. When I'm going through a particularly challenging time, uh, which given what I'm going through, I've still got these health challenges. I listen to it a lot, but there's a particular line. Have you listened to it yet, by the way, Anastasia? No, I've never even heard of it. Have oh you, David? Goodness. Yeah, we're all okay. It's going to be right. in the no, show links yeah. below. So everybody. yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a particular line in there where he kind of gets on, and it's it's literally like the first twenty seconds of the book. Um, so I already know that it's totally cool to curse here, so this will be fine. But uh, uh, so there's a little bit of talking about it doesn't matter, blah blah blah. This this that and the other thing, and then he says, as soon as you realize that life is going to fuck you up you can start preparing for that. And I was like, holy shit, like this, this is, this is my people right here. Um, and that this guy has been through, I've been through a lot. He's been through, he's probably been through more than I have. And that's, that's saying a lot. Um, but as I was going through this, um, I realized that you have to have a purpose. It's not just about the money. It's not just about, you know, 
being the guy who's standing up on stage and everybody's cheering for her or any of that bullshit. Like you have to have a stronger driving mission behind you. And that concept didn't come to me all at once. It came to me kind of over a serious, over a period of time. In the beginning of this health crisis, I, I had this just crushing massive pain from head to toe. And it was so bad to the point where I would be, you know, lying there on the couch or lying in bed. And like, I, I'm not kidding when I say praying for God to just fucking kill me. And that, I don't know if any of you have been in that kind of a situation before, but it gets dark really fast. And over a period of time, you know, it, it gets incredibly dark. Um, and, you know, at this point, we've been going through this for about six years now. Um, so I basically, I have, I have guns all over my house. Like wherever you look, you're generally going to find a gun. And as I'm going through this massive pain and no idea what it is or when it's going to end, you know, and then I'm walking around and everywhere I look, I see guns. I'm like, well, I don't, not that I want to kill myself, but like, that would be an easy way out. That would be an easy way to end all of this pain. And I got, it got so bad to the point where I actually disassembled every weapon in my house and tossed them into a giant duffel bag. And I called a friend of mine, another veteran. And I said, look, I, I'm not saying we need to be worried, but I might be calling you and asking you to come pick up this bag and store it at your house for a little while. Kind of dealt with these thoughts for a little while. And then around that time, a guy that I served with, who was without question, one of the toughest people I've ever met, ended up taking his life. And this was just like a, I saw that as, as a bit of a sign. And I started reaching out within the veterans community, right? Because if it can happen to someone like that, it can happen to anyone. So I'm still going through all of the shit. And then I started, you know, I would start posting this motivational content, uh, just things for people who are struggling, things for people who are going through a difficult time. And part of it was for me, part of it was for other people. And I didn't really know if I was having any effect. I didn't know if it was doing anything for anyone except me, but over time, several months later, people started reaching out to me and they're like, look, you have no idea, like, you know, how much, how much your posts have impacted me. Like I was having this terrible time. And then I, you know, I saw this and it kind of made me rethink things, blah, blah, blah. And then I started kind of passing my number out to other veterans within the veteran community. My phone number is basically just passed out. Everyone knows they have free reign to pass that out to anyone who's struggling. Um, I, you know, I, I often will just give it out in a post, right? Like uh, you, you'll see it a lot of times around veterans day or Thanksgiving or whatever, uh, you know, here you need to do something. If you're, if you're having a problem, uh, reach out to someone, and for fuck's sakes, if you don't have someone to reach out to, here's my fucking phone number. Call me, right? Like I would post things like this. And then it started to become a thing where everybody just knew this and everybody just reached out. And a, there was a time when a guy who I went to high school with reached out to me and uh, he told me about a, a guy, one of his employees who had just gotten back from Iraq and he's going through all kinds of shit and he's just falling apart. And they they feel like this guy is on the edge. He's going to therapy. He's on all kinds of drugs. He's doing everything that you would expect someone to be doing, but he just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So my buddy reaches out and he's like, look, here's what's going on. I don't know what to do. 
like he's seen all the therapists, like we've sent him the, you know, their company had great insurance. They've done everything and nothing's working. And he's like, would you mind talking to him? I was like, absolutely. Give him my number. Tell him to call me tonight. So he calls me while my wife and I are out of town and I walked outside. He and I were on the phone for about four hours. And I've got my phone set to where after a certain time, it goes into do not disturb mode. So he and I, we got wrapped up with our call. I went back in and I'm having dinner. And it's, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night at this point. My phone rings. I, it lit up. I could see it light up. It didn't ring audibly because it's in do not disturb. And I see a voicemail pop up. And it was him. And this was just after we had gotten off the phone. So I pick it up and I listen because I'm thinking, well, fuck, maybe he's you know, kind of on the edge here. I pick up the phone, I listen to the voicemail and it's this kid just sobbing unfucking controllably. And he's like, I've seen everybody. I've gone to the VA. I've gone to the therapist. I've taken all the drugs. I've done everything. Nothing has had any impact except like this call. He's like, I have, I have tried everything. And this is the first time I have felt any kind of hope. This is the first time that I felt that there's any possible positive outcome out of this and and thank you and blah 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 and he's just going on and on it was like just this sobbing story for like five ten minutes on this voicemail and um i realized that as fucked up as my situation was as fucked up as everything that i was going through was that was the silver lining right had this not happened had my friend not taken his life, had I not been in this massive pain and got to a point where I understood how people chose to take their lives, I would likely have not gone down this path where I'm out here helping all of these veterans, out here um, supporting and reaching out and doing all of this stuff. So that became a bit of a purpose. So everything that I'm doing serves to highlight you know, what other veterans can do, that they can go on and regardless of, of what's going on in their life, that they can go on, accomplish bigger things, overcome whatever they're going through. And that's kind of been my driving mission, um, which is, it's a really powerful thing, especially when you're going through something that seems unbearable or like you can't personally handle it. Thank and, you so much for sharing that, Jeremy. Yeah, wow. thank you. That is that such a powerful. powerful story. Thank you. Man, and thank you for, for being you. That was the superhero in, in the making here. <laughs> thank you. And one... Yeah. One thing that really jumps out to me in that story oh, is that thought. it's just there's so many things in our life that we don't understand why it's happening to us. Even if it's mm -hmm. just picking up a skill that we're interested in to a terrible, um, just life-changing um, pain, that it's, it's building up skills for something. And it's really important to embrace all these skills that we're building to do something with them. And the more that we can listen to that, the more that we can actually help other people along with helping ourselves. And I think that's a really, uh, a really common theme in some of the stories that you've had so far yeah. as well. Ultimately, I think it just comes down to we have the choice of how we frame what we're going through. I could have curled up into a ball and just said, fuck it, like this sucks. And I can't work. I can't do anything. And just sat there and, and been a deadbeat. Or I could have said, well, this is a fucked up situation. Let's see what positive I can find in this. Um, and ultimately, like we've all seen people on both sides of the equation, right? We've got people who you can hand them everything. 
you can give them a perfect like, you can give them every opportunity and they're going to find the negative in that no matter what it is. And then you've got people that you can just give them the absolute worst and they're always going to find a way to thrive and overcome. And that's, that's nothing more than a personal choice. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of see another theme happening here through your journey and helping veterans and especially what you're doing now is, I mean, making those, having those phone calls and talking to those guys, you can definitely build rapport with them because of your experiences. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing talking to you and how I can (laughs) save your life. Right. Like, (laughs) right. It's not like, you know how to do this. No one really knows how to do that. So it's just really cool. And and just a testament again to who you are. So thank you for Jeremy for being here on earth with us. Thank you. So back to uh, kind of fast forwarding again to Spartan Media. I'm kind of curious actually to the title of Spartan Media. Why did you choose Spartan Media? Uh, Well, you know, it kind of ties back to uh, some of the things that you pointed out from some of my stories. Um, Spartan Media is contrary to what a lot of people have asked me. It has nothing to do with the sports teams. Uh, I wouldn't even know a sports team if you put them in front of me. So um, it's a reference to the old Spartan lifestyle, uh, very much a a military-themed thing, right? We run this business like we would run a military operation, right? Like we're going to look out for each other, and we're going to accomplish the mission no matter what. There's no excuses. It's, you know, you'll see a lot of people who are like, oh, well, we can't do that unless you have X amount of budget or... Or we can't do that because your competitor is doing X, Y, Z, so we can't compete or whatever. It's, I, don't, I don't see things that way. If there's an objective to overcome, we're going to find a way that may not be from A to B. We may have to go you know, to C, to M, to L, to Q, and then back over here to R. But we're going to find a way to get where we need to go and just accomplish that mission regardless of, of what we're up against. Um, so that's, that's where that comes from. You guys have a chance that you do in the office? <laughs> we do not. We do not. <laughs> Might have to change that. <laughs> uh, Just kidding. <laughs> He's like, please don't. I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm just thinking maybe, who knows? You never know. Anything's possible. Mm. It would probably so- be something terribly vulgar. <laughs> oh, dear. So with, with that theme of accomplishing the goal, no matter what, no matter what path you have to take to go there. Yeah. What do you think is the number one skill that's needed to be able to to do such a thing? Um, again, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it's all going to come down to mindset again, and and I use mindset in kind of a broad, general sense, right? Not a specific, not like mindset purely from a positivity perspective or purely from a creativity perspective. Just general mindset to overcome adversity. Um, you know, sometimes adversity could be as simple as you got told no on a sales call or adversity could be you're fucking lying there dying and you need to get up and and do what you need to do. Um, but I think the ability to overcome adversity is dramatically lacking in people today because I mean, the reality is we've got a really great world. We don't have to worry about being killed for the most part. We don't have to worry about starving. I mean, even the poorest people in America tend to be overweight, tend to have plenty of food. They've got a TV, they've got cable, they've got Netflix, they've got a computer, they've got all this stuff. Um, So I don't think people in this country generally understand real adversity. 
Um, you know, go spend some time in a third world country. Go walk around Mexico or Bosnia, and you're going to have a totally different perspective of how difficult your life really is. A lot of people don't understand what they're capable of because they've never really faced real adversity. They'll try something a little bit, and if it doesn't work out, they back right up. Um, you know, it, it, we have to be comfortable going out, trying things, knowing that we're going to suck at first, and anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you're able to get good at it. So when we can approach things with that mindset, knowing that, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, I'm probably going to feel that way for a while, uh, but I'm okay with that, that's where you start to see the growth. You know, Let me circle back kind of a little bit on some of the military stuff, because we saw this a lot there. You know, everybody, everybody always thought the things that we did was, you know, super, super cool. And, you know, they'd see the poster of the Marine with the rope and the, the rifle and he's doing all the cool shit. And, you know, you'd get these guys that would go and they'd want to go be a Marine or they'd want to go be a Navy SEAL because they, they look at the glamorous side of it, but they don't look at what actually goes into that. So all that shit is cool and sexy when you're looking at a poster and you're sitting there, you know, on your couch eating Cheetos. It's a lot different when it's three o'clock in the morning, you haven't eaten in two days, and you're lying prone in a swamp to do an ambush, and mosquitoes are crawling up your ass, and everything sucks, and you're cold, and you're trying to stay awake. It's a totally different world. So because most people have never gone through any kind of challenges like that, and not just physical, but physical, mental, whatever, um, because they haven't gone through that, they don't really have the opportunity to understand what they're actually capable of all of us can do so much more than than we realize thank you and i think i totally i think dave and i both agree with that and today people are extremely comfortable and don't have to stretch themselves too far to get really a lot of at least material items that they're wanting or to have that comfortable lifestyle and to be able to really go for a vision or a dream does take that uncomfortable situation that you got to get through. I'd like to say this one thing. It's like, you have an obstacle. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can't dig under it. You can run away from it. Or you really got to go through the whole experience in order to get to the other side. There's no real avoidance on it. You got to yeah. go through the pain or you got to go through the struggle. And also to identify that it's okay to say, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and we get a lot of people that tend to posture that. And there's there's points of that where that's appropriate. But when it comes to really just again, telling yourself, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And it's okay to go talk to Jeremy and be like, uh, no one's finding me online. <laughs> how, do I, right. how do I get customers, Jeremy? You know, so to be able to admit that you don't know what you don't know and be okay with that is actually a normal thing to do. And yeah. let me throw a caveat out there, though, because a lot of people and we see this a lot with highly intelligent people, they make that mistake in the other direction. Are you familiar with Dunning-Kruger? The name sounds familiar, David. Sounds familiar. Uh, remind us. OK, so basically there's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's the scale. So when you first start off doing something. All right. So let's say you start down here. At the bottom, you have no experience, right? This is your experience, and this is your, no, backwards. This is your uh, experience, this is your confidence. So what happens is, over here, you've got no experience and no confidence, and you realize you don't know shit. Then as you start to learn stuff, you go from basically knowing nothing to you know exponentially more than you did previously. So now your confidence skyrockets. 
but your experience is still next to nothing. And then the more you learn, now let's say you've got a period of uh, a year, two years, 10 years, whatever it is, and you're still learning, what happens is your confidence starts to go down because here you are, I'm 20 years in and I'm still learning stuff every day. And now you start to think, well, do I really know what I'm talking about? Like if I'm learning all this stuff and that's a totally normal reaction, um, a lot of intelligent people, and it, it never seems to happen with the dumb people. They are infinitely confident of their abilities. They think they know everything. So that is a, that is a potential problem for this. Uh, you know, you don't have to know what you're doing. Also at the same time, I don't buy into the whole fake it till you make it mindset. I think that's a, a shit approach. Um, I've seen a lot of people damage their clients because of that. So the reality is kind of somewhere in the middle while being honest about it. Like, Hey, I don't know exactly how this will play out, but here's what I'd like to try. Like, that's fine. Go ahead. I want to highlight that too, because that's yeah. huge. So being honest about what you don't know, um, but still making an attempt to do something. Yeah. Uh, is, is that balance between like faking it till you make it and just pretending like, you know, and then not doing anything because you don't know. Exactly. And, and this is where it's really critical to have the right network of people, right? I've got a number of people who, depending on what the topic is, I can reach out to them and be like, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm thinking. What's your perception of the reality of this? Because I'm going to think one thing, someone else is going to think another thing. And an objective third party person can see things that, that I can't. So I've got people that I can reach out to and get an objective answer as to what's really going on. Am I overthinking this? Because I have a tendency to do that. If, you know, something happens, I tend to read the worst into a situation. Oh, well, this happened because that person hates me. Well, no, probably not. They probably just had a meeting that ran, ran long and had nothing to do with me. So having a, a good trusted network of people around you can help you to, to fill in those gaps and get a good gauge as to whether you're actually seeing things correctly, like, do you really know what you're doing or do you not? Or are you underselling yourself? Mm, I think that's really key because, you know, what I find, it, you know, in the speaker world and the author world, there tends to be a lot of ego because you're seen usually visually you're on stage. People are applauding you literally. <laughs> and so you tend to like kind of get this big head in a way. And I tend to find in, in at least in that industry, those who are really active in that they have a very hard time asking for help. And so yes. you could get, like, I remember for me, you know, I had a couple of years where there like PR was crazy. I was on stages, I was everywhere, but you know, the income wasn't really quite coming in where it needed to be at all. And so, but for me, I was like, people just kept telling me, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Perseverance will be fine. And it's like, uh -huh. no, <laughs> so I had to literally just be like, finally come into the awareness that this was not working and I had to make money and I had to ask for help. So can you kind of give a little bit of advice to our listeners and viewers here? When and or how are you to identify, okay, this isn't working. I really need to ask for help and get that courage to ask for help. Do you have any tips on that for, for those who are listening and watching? Yeah. Um, so there's a few, first of all, like you're never going to know everything. You're never going to know enough for that matter. Like there's always more information that you could have to make a better decision. But the reality is we just need to act and we're probably going to make some bad decisions, but 
we also need to be consistently, and this is where most people get it wrong, is they wait till there's a huge problem. Oh, I have no revenue coming in. Nothing's lined up for the next six months. And I'm three months behind on my mortgage. Hey, let me reach out to somebody and see what I should do. No, dumbass, you should have reached out three months ago, six months ago. So the, the, the important thing, which ties back to what we talked about, about having the right network, is having the people that you trust around and then, you know, having the courage to actually step up and ask. Um, this is something, you know, I talk about it a lot about, you know, the importance of mentors and, and peer, and it doesn't have to, when I say mentor, it doesn't have to be like, you know, this person up on a pedestal, you know, like, for example, I'm in a group, uh, it's a mastermind group where we've got some absolute badasses in there. Um, Kevin Harrington's one of the people in there for Christ's sakes, right? But it doesn't have to be somebody on that level. It could be a peer. I mean, I know you and I have bounced ideas back and forth before, Anastasia. So it's- Maybe it, more it's you a, have bounced ideas. I listened. <laughs> I don't know if I contribute a whole lot. <laughs> there you go. But, but you have to have people around so that you can course correct in smaller increments earlier. You know, if you're trying to turn that ship at a 90 degree angle at the last minute, you're going to have a real bad day. But if you can spot that iceberg, you know, six miles out and start to make a little turn here, it's a totally different world. So, so there's that side of it, but we have to get over ourselves when we're afraid to ask somebody. And this comes back to the whole veterans thing as well. You know, people won't ask for help because they think it, it means that they're weak. It's bullshit, right? You need to have the courage to do it because that means that you're actually more courageous because you're going to step up and do this, right? It's the idiots who think that they know everything and they have to figure it all out themselves. And I say that in the lovingest way possible because I've been there too. I know exactly what it's like to be that idiot. When you- I think we've to, all done that. Yes. All of us here anyway. Yeah. So, you know, when you can actually get outside of your ego and, and reach out for help ahead of time, uh, it creates a totally different scenario for you. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy. My pleasure. I want to ask one more question, backtracking a little bit, because um, sure. it definitely feels like something you've thought a lot about. Because we do live in this world where we are very comfortable. You know, we don't have to struggle. And so building up, you know, that tenacity and that resilience um, through overcoming adversity doesn't happen for everyone. Do you have any tips outside of, you know, going into the military or going to a third world country or doing something drastic? Tips for just maybe someone who's been on the couch for the last 15 years who's trying to do something new. How do they build up that, that tenacity and that resilience? Baby steps. So I'm a big fan of jumping all in, and that's not always the best path. Um, but I've always that's always been my mindset. Like I'm always going to, for example, uh, I think it was last summer, I decided I was in the middle of some remodeling project at the house. And I got into this, I've got this playlist of a bunch of military videos with some cool you know, music in the background. And I've got this playing while I'm working on this remodeling project. And I'm, I, get, I find myself in this weird headspace. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go for a run. Mind you, I haven't run in six years. I decided that the middle of summer in Florida, in the middle of the afternoon, after not eating breakfast or lunch, was a good time to go for this run. 
And I figured this is going to suck. Let's go ahead and, and make the most of this. I'm going to bring my boy out and teach him a lesson I've been trying to pound into his head for several years that we don't give up. We don't stop until we're done. Not when we're tired, but when we're done. So I had come to the conclusion that I'm going to run until he gets tired while he's riding me on, riding next to me on his bike. Okay. Oh man, let's just level up that too. <laughs> yeah. Bold move. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the wife was very apprehensive about this idea, but she's been conditioned to understand that this is just the kind of shit I'm going to do. So I threw on the camelback. It's a nice, hot, 95, muggy Florida afternoon, and we start running. About a mile into this, I'm starting to think this was maybe a bad idea. We ended up, round trip was close to 10 miles. And <laughs> at one point, he turns to me. We were about maybe eight and a half, nine miles in, and he says, Daddy, do you want to stop? Do you want to go back to the house? You look really tired. And I looked at him and that was what I was waiting for. I wanted him to understand that. I said, buddy, I am tired. I'm exhausted. Everything hurts. I'm in massive pain, but we don't stop when we're tired. When do we stop? And he gets this dejected look on his face and he's like, when we're done, I said, all right, buddy. So we went on for another mile, mile and a half. And I had a chance to really cement that lesson in. But for the average, more rational person, I think smaller baby steps are, are a better approach because as you build up your tolerance, you'll be able to get to that point where you're becoming a lot stronger without burning yourself out or scaring yourself off. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of people do this with exercise or diet. So like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go all in. We're going to throw out all the junk food and eat nothing but twigs and berries. And that lasts about two days. You know, same with the exercise. I'm going to go and jog 10 miles every day until I hit whatever my target weight is. No, you're not. You're going to run about a mile and then maybe half a mile the next day and you're going to give up. And but then be take... sore for the next five days because right. you didn't warm up. <laughs> exactly. But if you take smaller steps and there's a lot of things you can do, it doesn't have to be a particular thing. It doesn't have to be exercise or, or something crazy. Um, it could be a bunch of little things. You know, when I take a shower in the morning, at the end of the shower, after running a hot shower, I will blast it on full cold and just stay in there with no hot water for probably five to 10 minutes. I did a thing one time where I, I went from a hot bath, about 45 minutes in a hot bath, and then plunged into an ice bath. Um, you know, there's little things you can do. You can start doing some exercise. You can start doing do, do things that make you uncomfortable, right? Like if you're a shy person, adversity for you might be talking to people. So walk up to a stranger on the street, have a conversation, start doing that regularly. Um, if, you're, if you're afraid to go after big goals, take some smaller goals, but incrementally ramp them up very quickly. And as you start to have these small wins, then you become more confident in what you're capable of and you start to build that mental toughness. And then from there, really important thing we want to do is we want to build um, what I call a cookie jar. Now, I stole this from David Goggins' book and it's something he used to get through a lot of the difficult shit he's been through. Um, basically, what you do is you start taking, whether it's a mental note or pictures or whatever, something that you can use to remind yourself of the adversity that you've overcome. 
So for me, like this health stuff is a thing. Um, overcoming some of the business challenges. Um, I've even gone in and, and taken some of these comments that I get from random people who talk about how helpful this um, my posts are for them or you know whatever. I actually have started putting those together in a Photoshop document that I'm eventually going to get printed out once it's full. So you've got these things that you can go back to and kind of rely on as, yeah, I really can do this because here's one, two, three, four, ten examples, whatever. Um, that gets you through a lot of that as well. This not only is in people's lives, but also in business too. And I feel like we just kind of heard your overall strategy too of how you even help businesses, whether it's toe dipping or going all in at once to be yeah. found and to be able to serve clients, whether it's through website, SEO, and so on. So, you know, like, especially this year, we're finding a lot of adversity to having to take everything online. I know you, 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 you took your entire business to your garage. And so like, <laughs> right. And we've all kind of done that. So yeah. especially this year and, you know, especially in like in business for those who are listening, whether they're a solo entrepreneur, they have a small team or a large team, what are you finding is the biggest adversities that people are having right now in, in your clients or whatever it may be? And what is your tips to really help them overcome that with an uncertain 2021? I think we have to let go of our expectations to some degree. And I've, I'm always torn on this because it doesn't mean we just, you know, get a Volkswagen van and, and drive around smoking weed all day. But like we have to we have to let go of expectations enough that when we face some kind of challenge that doesn't turn out the way we did uh, that we expected it to that we can adapt. We're not locked to this thing, right? You know, if you're in the middle of a battle and all of a sudden this, you know, enemy comes out of over here, you can't be like, well, no, the plan was to go that way. Well, no, now you have a different plan. Find a different solution. We can't be married to our plan. We can't be married to mm -hmm. our strategy. We have to find what's going to work given the environment that we have. And a good way to handle that is give yourself some time to, to bitch and moan and cry about it. You know, two minutes, I think is a reasonable time. You give yourself a few minutes to, to, to cry and whine about it. And then from there, you're done. Compartmentalize that. Put that away. And now let's focus on finding the solution. Whatever that solution may be, I mean, there's millions of different variables that, that could come into play, but you've got your time to cry about it. Now put on your big boy pants and, and figure out a solution. Take action. Perfect. Love that. And I, I love the whole, you know, you can have your bitching moment. <laughs> As I think we all feel like we want to have, but secretly sure. don't. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. My and, pleasure. you know, Thanks for having me. How, how can people really find more about you and Spartan Media and really just kind of see those posts and, and, and really just feel your inspiration? I'm not tough to find. <laughs> You can find me pretty much on any major social network. Uh, find me in Google. I've got columns all over the place. Mm -hmm. If you put my name into something, I'll come up somewhere. Because you also contribute articles, right, to like entrepreneur.com and so on. So people can really get some advice in those places as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've got several columns. Uh, I'm not even sure exactly what that tally is right now. I'm somewhere around a dozen or so different publications. I mean, Jeremy's just all around impressive, really. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, awesome. it's been awesome having you here. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you for tuning in to I Don't Know What the Fuck I'm Doing. And everybody, please yeah. look into the show notes and follow Jeremy and Spartan Media. And if you're in need of finding more exposure, I think you definitely know who your go-to guy is, and that would be Jeremy. <laughs>